General Vagon has called the Battle of France is over. The Battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome to the Lead Pursuit Podcast, a podcast covering Blood Red Skies, a game of World War II aerial combat. Welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast. Since the last time we've talked, things have changed dramatically around the world. There have been multiple event cancellations, venues closing, mandatory store closures other than essentials like booze, alcohol, beer, and and more booze. Oh, sorry, and food. Uh, But all those things uh, in mind, we're going to spend a little time tonight, and we're going to talk about some of the impacts of the coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, uh, on gaming and how it has impacted what we're doing. But first of all, I want to introduce who I've got on the show. I've also got Chris back on the show. How you doing, Chris? What's up, guys? We're all still alive. Um, just <laughs> For now. <laughs> stop panicking. It, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. <laughs> not where I am. I'm in Alabama, man. This is not going to be good. <laughs> I told you, man. Stay on the farm. It's a, it's a third world country down Herschel here. <laughs> left the farm. <laughs> hey, Brett. How you doing? I've also got you on the show. I'm good. I want to tell everybody to paint your damn models. Yeah, like that's going to happen. Just just like the internet meme of that uh, Cast Dice and a couple other guys threw up there of, you know, he was going to, uh, or, hey, I'm in self-isolation. I'll paint all my models. And then Morgan Freeman. But he did not paint all of his models, <laughs> no, he sadly. Did not. <laughs> said just like he was from the movies. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that's also where I am because I'm looking at this, this great layout I've got here with all my paints that I brought with me put back up there. I, I brought my airbrush stuff. I got my my compressor here for Alabama, so I don't even have to bring my own compressor out here. And do you think a single model has left the model carrier that's across there, sadly sitting by itself now? Yep, the like a dog model. with eyeglasses. <laughs> you and a dog with eyeglasses. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> have you been drinking too much already? Yes. Oh, really? Really? This is what I have to deal with. So, so everyone, please feel sorry for me on this podcast because these are the two people I'm stuck with now. Hey, let's uh, let's knock. Uh, right into kind of the uh, the Intel update. A couple things that we see that have popped recently on the interwebs besides all the craziness and the bad news and everything else. Um, we did see the models for Victory at Sea and a lot of Warlord releases of what's going to be in the various packs for Victory at Sea. So if you're looking for small-scale targets, I think they're not terrible. I don't know what you guys have seen. I've seen a lot of hate and discontent about the bases and, and things like that. But what is, what's everyone's opinion of those models? I think they're freaking awesome. I think it, they should have just called it Airstrike freaking Victory at Sea. Yeah, exactly. Thank you it, for buying the Airstrike target markers. And here's a game to go along with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the scale is a little bit bigger than what we chose for our uh, for our targets. But I think they'd make fine targets. I don't know anything about the game that they're intended for, but I think they'd work as fine targets in, in Airstrike, no problem. Yeah, and I've heard good reviews of the previous game uh, that it was modeled off of the previous version. Uh, so it should be a fun game, I think. And, and to be honest, if I didn't already have a backlog of other things, I would be really interested in it. Um, but I think the models will do well as target markers. And to be honest, I, I kind of get why they have a larger base, whether or not you have a reason for having the ship name emblazoned on it. But as we've all seen... You get down to that scale of one twenty four hundredth, one eighteen hundredth. Ships can get a little bit fiddly, and you you think airplanes with advantage bases are fiddly. Those ships can get really fiddly moving around on a on a mat. So I I think I can understand some of that. 
names on the side seem to be a big problem for people. It's called sandpaper. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Come on, we people. All, it's resin. We, all, it's, we, have, we have hobby knives. We can cut that right off. Exactly. Can... <laughs> it's it's not in stainless, people. It's This is not going to, you know, kill you. It's the hobby community. We can find anything to complain about, and and we will. And and even some, I'll admit, some of the, the comments they have brought up are are valid modeling complaints. Like, why did they choose the carriers they did? Why did they not choose something closer to a time period a lot more people were going to play? I got it. But still, to me, it's it's a pretty cool uh, intro to the game, uh, and I think they're also kind of seeing where they should uh, where they should spend their effort. But all that being said, uh, their models at Warlord are one thing. Uh, I do have an information update for Armaments in Miniature. If any of you are like me and you've been ordering things from Dave, we've done a great job supporting our local resin dealer i guess is the best way our resident crack dealer he is swamped by blood red skies orders so he and i were exchanging emails today uh he is running somewhere four to six weeks behind so what does that mean usually there's about a 30-day lag in some of his orders if it's not in stock uh that could be two to a two and a half month from you dropping your order dave said he's trying to fill all the orders in the uh, in the order they were received and the priority they received uh, and push things out that he already has in stock and doesn't have to produce more of. But he asks everyone to be patient, patient with him. So uh, I kind of laugh. We've done exactly what we wanted to. We've helped a small business uh, grow exponentially, but now he's getting overwhelmed. So yeah, guys, I mean, just, just have some, if it wasn't for Dave, there'd be airplanes you didn't have. We do you have to wait 30 days? Yes, you do. You don't have to wait freaking two years for Warlord to come out with your airplane. Yeah, exactly. So just so. you know, take a chill pill. By the time you're out of quarantine, you'll have models. Well, and as I told him, you know, some of the models I had ordered, he had to produce because there hadn't been a whole lot of demand till recent for them in one 200 scale. Uh, and I told him, I said, hey, go go fill everyone else's big orders. I'm like, because my order of six airplanes is probably the small one, since it seems people are, are really getting interested in, in some of the aircraft that there's cards for, but there's not Warlord models for. So I, I totally understand um, him trying to kind of rebalance his, uh, his workload there. So everyone be patient. Dave Schmidt's a great guy, uh, and he will get you your miniatures eventually. And the nice thing is he doesn't take your money until he's ready to ship all that stuff. So <laughs> don't worry. He'll uh, he'll get it all uh, all produced and procured. And that's about all I have for Intel. Did you guys see anything else around the interwebs this well, week? On the small business front, our, our buddy Ken for Miscellaneous Minis, I just kind of offhandedly mentioned to him uh, probably two months ago that we had, my wife had just read um, A Higher Call, which is the story of the B-17 Yield pub and uh, the BF-109G pilot Stiegler. And I said, you know, how cool would it be to have decals on the same sheet? Well, guess what? I got an email from Ken freaking three days ago that said, hey, Chris, remember when you we were just kind of stovepiping stuff and talking about crap? And he goes, well, the decals are up. Here's the link. <laughs> So, have you um, learned nothing from your Marine Corps experience? I I, I laugh. I, I realize that Ken was not a Lance Corporal, but I swear thinking out loud around Ken is like sitting in the office in a grunt battalion and going, man, I wish we'd repainted the walls in here. Things are looking pretty bad. And the next day, Staff Sergeant's in there with four Lance Corporals and it's done. So <laughs> I, I clicked on the link and freaking I got a I, literally I clicked on the link, ordered the decals. Four hours till I got the freaking it's in the mail freaking email. 
Yeah, yeah. He he did that. He did that to me the other day when I ordered some stuff to to ship down for guys. Hurricanes. If you are not using miscellaneous miniatures for your freaking decals, you're nutballs. I mean, the guy's stuff is gorgeous. He turns around stuff quickly. He will make you just about anything you want. Like I said, the ye old pub thing was, hey, I got a cool poster and I read a book and wouldn't it be cool if they were on the same sheet? And guess what? He put them on the same sheet. He also did another sheet that's got two more of the B-17s that are in ye old pub squadron as just a B-17 sheet. So it, it's just his turnaround is amazing. The Russian decals he did us for the P-39. Um, I told him about Sultan Almat Khan and sent him the freaking picture of the freaking snake going down the P-30. P Dude, I had decals and freaking... I think it was like four days. And a lot of those decals weren't simple decals. He would like pulled through history and found a bunch of really neat stuff. Dude, it, the guy's just amazing. Please start using him. He is just amazing. Well, hopefully uh, everyone will be ordering decals from him and models from AIM and keeping those guys uh, in business for quite a while. Or at least Brett will be doing the same because, Brett, I'm sure you've got a couple things that are sitting on your table waiting to be produced. I have easily a two-month backlog. <laughs> excuses, excuses. No, I just mean that, uh, you know, we were talking about that backlog from AIM. I probably have two months worth of stuff if I was really cranking just to get through. But that's a good problem. I'm going to be the guy that actually gets my stuff painted before I buy some new ones. I'm gonna hold, me, uh, hold me to it. I'm yeah, you're, you're such a liar. <laughs> there is no way. That's yeah, the I'm, plan. I'm holding myself to not buying anything until I get some more work done on some of these, but it's nice because without the crush of Adepticon coming, I now feel like I can concentrate on getting a lot of them to a tabletop ready standard uh, and then getting them a little bit further beyond that. So we'll see how that works. We'll that see, only uh, takes you like two weeks. You just send them to your freaking painter, right? Hey, well, you know, and, and we can talk about Trevor <laughs> hooking a brother up because how else was I going to complete yet another hurricane squadron because one squadron of hurricanes no that wasn't enough for brett when brett said hey here's a good scenario idea it required two squadrons of hurricanes so as i was doing all my mark five spits um the way that they suggest on the internet going and trimming the uh the tips off with a fingernail clipper uh yeah so that that actually worked out and i wasn't going to get them all painted so dude dude his stuff is really pretty he it he, is i was those hurricanes he was doing for you were were they were they were yeah, top he, shelf. He does They're great really job, nice. and and he's a great dude. He's a former Marine, so all of us vets have to stick together. Um, and he and I know a lot of people in common, so he is uh, he's definitely a dude that I will rely on to bail me out when I suck at painting, <laughs> which is all the time. But anyway, so uh, let's see other stuff that has been ordered and showed up. Uh, hey, Chris, how do you like the fucking Malta map you're still holding on to? What Malta map? I have no recollection yeah, of any yeah, Malta okay. map ever being delivered to my house. The pictures you have on the internet are a lie. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Dude, I, dude, I'm surprised you're not rolling it out on the on the ping pong table, laying on top of it and loving instead it, of, and putting you know, your models I'm, on it. I'm having the honest idea that instead of me or, or sending it to Brett, I should just order one and send it to this one. <laughs> that that might be the answer and i hate to say that but yeah you know, I, I have this this image of you like smog with all of your airplanes laying on top of this mat just saying looking around going no this is mine dude it's so pretty it. e even my wife who has like almost zero interest in gaming she came downstairs and she looked at that mat because i rolled it down on our ping pong table and she was just like wow <laughs> that is you, you, you guys are super nerds. That is that is pretty cool. <laughs> well, everything she said is true. The map is wonderful and we are super nerds. So yes, yes, your wife is quite correct. Brett, I'm sorry. You may not get to see this map anytime soon. He'll get a new one, I promise. He, he's going to get one soon. All right. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm not going to play on it by myself, so no rush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're just going to roll it out on top of your gaming table and stare at it lovingly. I, I can't as well. wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. It looks so good in those photos. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see it in person because having having gone through with Ivan and done the review and and really nitpicked some of the, the great work he did, and I felt bad doing that at some of the times and like, "Hey, can we change this? Can we can we move this out of the way? Can we make this look older?" Uh, he did such a great job that I really I really want to see it other than pixel peeping at a really high res image. Um, and see how well it printed out. All right, what else did we get in the mail? Chris, you got the Adepticon cards today. What did you think, since since you hadn't been privy to really the, the making of them and kind of playing with them early on like Brett and I did at CoastalCon, what'd you think? They're gorgeous. Um, if, if I had any critique on the cards, it would be that, and this is just a purely print calibration you know i i used when I, when i made my portion and i know you used um powerpoint i used indesign it their printing is i would say a stop darker yeah, than yeah i would absolutely agree i would i would think it should be but you know that's probably just you know somebody else printing a file and if i had one thing to do over again i would make everything a little tiny bit brighter are they usable do they look 95% as good as the stuff the warlords given to us. Yep, I think they probably use the same printers, but um yeah, but yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, well, but no, it's good. It's good. And here's and the for... funny thing. So so this is what I've told people that that are like, "Hey, where can I get my own cards printed?" And and the first thing I tell them I say, "One is cost an object. Are are you going to complain about spending 10 bucks just to print a deck of cards?" Uh, and if you're not, and if you're not concerned about that, printstudio.com is is awesome or printerstudio.com let me get it right there um they are great and and you can have stuff shipped very quickly you can have it you know um you know ships slow boat from china literally because it's coming from china um but the the fact of the matter is the quality because because you're uploading jpegs i mean this was the first time i had received fairly high quality products back from a jpeg upload I'm used to really having to send color matched files, even just regular PDF files, to get something that looked as nice as these. Um, and and they, I think they turned out pretty well. The versions I saw, hopefully the the second printing you have looks pretty good. Dude, they they look great. They really do. I mean, if if I was to throw them down and next to Blood Red Skies cards, it would be it would take flipping them over. I think for a lot of people to notice that there was a difference, they're that close. Yeah. Well, and, and some of it's so, learning the process as well. well so and some of it too. We're like going to refine me, our process. And, and when it. I was looking at them today, because, you know, it's the first time I've looked at these files as individual files. Today was the first time I held nine cards in my hand and I compared each of the cards and I was kind of looking like, oh, yeah, that guy is like just a little bit to the left where that guy's a little bit. Oh, to the oh right. good. So and, now you realize why yeah. I lost my shit every time we had to redo these things. Dude, because I, I get it. I get it, it. Well, no, no. It's it, the funny thing. And this is what people have to understand if they're going to go print their own custom cards, as, as a lot of people have asked, is you will spend probably more time tweaking them in layout and in the software they give you to make sure they print right more than you will creating the card. So as long as you're cool with that, and as long as you're also cool with saying, you know what, I'm going to order a pack, I'm going to spend 10 bucks for the cards and 15 bucks for the shipping or whatever, and I'm going to, I may have things that are printed too small because I don't know where the safe areas are, or it shows the safe area, but it really prints outside it. The first cards we got, uh, as Brett will tell you, had, had, you know, a lot of exterior bands where we thought things were going to print full bleed and they didn't. Um, but once we figured it out the first time, it was, it was really easy to make those cards that I think uh, look pretty high quality to me for at least for the amount of money we spent. 
Dude, they they look really good, and and I can tell people when you look at these cards. Also, remember, there's a lot of hours that went into this stuff. I mean, between Doug, Brett, and me, I mean, if I'm sad about Adepticon about one thing, <laughs> it's the fact that between the three of us, I think we probably have about three hundred to four hundred hours invested in Adepticon. Oh yeah, right oh yeah. I, those are hours I will never get back, and I know Brett's feeling the same way for all the historical research that was cut and pasted in to the, make just those nine ace cards, of which we argued about things and and grammar checked each other, and then I yelled at all of you about you know colors and and color choices and things. So, um, it, but you know what? It's one of those things. It's a it's a labor of love, Brett. Hopefully, uh, you didn't lose your mind doing too much research for all this. No, I've got a proud stack of. Uh reference books now for it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, poured through a bunch of that stuff well you know and it's it's not effort lost so the next time whether it is uh at a convention down in florida or convention somewhere else maybe in georgia uh the map is coming out the cards are coming out we also produced enough cards um so that we'll have multiple events that we can do because people have asked hey how do i get the cards and we've heard a lot of different ideas from people of what to do with the cards we have left. Uh, I will tell you that some VIPs will be getting their cards mailed to them. So if you're actually an important person, uh, not a difficult person, uh, then you might be getting cards. Uh, but uh, what we're going to do is we're, you know, we're definitely going to at some point do Malta. It's it's not getting shelved because we've got maps and, and miniatures and cards. Yeah, just think how far along we'll be in 2021, right? So between now and then we'll have even more uh, chances to sort of exercise all the things we've worked on and plus more we'll have more planes perhaps on the table and all those things so it'll only get better right and I think to be honest that uh, for Adepticon 2021 we'll, we will probably still do Malta again um, but we may play it at an event sooner uh, but you know it's not always the same crowd that goes to every event so there'll be plenty of opportunities to play plenty of opportunities to see the ace cards see the aircraft cards in action uh, and to play with some of those things. So we'll we'll definitely flex for that. We talked a little bit about what everyone's working on and what projects they've been doing and, and what we've picked up and what we've bought. Uh, what we haven't talked a great deal about, we've, we've hinted at, is the 700-pound gorilla in the room, uh, the cancellation of Adepticon and a couple other gaming events, uh, all due to the coronavirus. So that has that has created uh, a lot of churn in the community. Uh, there, most everybody I think understands why the authorities were starting to ask that large uh, large events weren't being conducted based on past histories and and previous outbreaks and things. And Adepticon's like that. hygiene level. Well, you know, so someone asked me about that. They said, you know, why would you restrict that many forty k players? You know, getting into a, into a big event and and them mixing with the coronavirus. You know, I, that could be that terrible. And I'm like, you know what? Three words. Hive, fleet, adepticon. I mean, because do you want tyranids? Mixing those two, two things, coronavirus and stinky 40K players, that'll give you tyranids. Dude, dude, we don't want that. Compromised immune system is the word I keep saying government officials say. And we're talking about basement dwellers. These these guys don't get too much exposure <laughs> yeah, to they sunlight don't, they don't a whole lot of sunlight. or germs. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Now the 40K community is up in arms and, well, we don't care. But, hey, here's the deal. So They were, Adepticon... they were social distancing before social distancing was cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's true, you know, and we might talk about that in a while. That That's kind of already built into the way that some of those introverts do things. Uh, I don't think anyone can, you know, accuse the three of us of being introverts. Um, but we definitely do reside at least in Chris's basement every once in a while, at least once a year. Uh, and, Brett, you don't have a basement because you're in Florida, but you're, 
your Warhammer room counts as that. So we pretty much self isolate as well. Brett's got a penthouse, man. He's, that, he's that really a, is what it he's is. Florida really, living. We <laughs> should call it the gaming, gaming penthouse. penthouse. It's it's not the Warhammer room. It's the gaming penthouse. And you know, maybe if we had a disco ball to go with the fluorescent lights that are up there, that would all make sense. But that's you just made ranger panties have an all new meaning. <laughs> yeah, this is starting to get really disturbing. Yeah, I don't need those images. <laughs> I was gonna get some of my gaming posters. I have all have all the frames and stuff for them, and I haven't yet put them in my uh, the painting room. But uh, I was just talking to Sean tonight. I was saying, yeah, you know, now that I'm home a little more than usual, I think I'm gonna try to get some of those up. So maybe next time you come, that. The game room and the painting room will be a little bit more decorated than it has been. Those are the two rooms in the house that have been sort of neglected because they're not Sean's. <laughs> hey, as long as your compressor and your airbrush station are up in the hobby room, I don't care, man. I can get some work done while everyone else is playing 40K or something like that. I can actually paint my dust miniatures like I did last time. So not a big deal. Not a big deal. Well, obviously, there's a lot of churn with Adepticon itself, and there, we know a little bit. I mean, the Adepticon staff has been good about releasing as much as they can as they know things. So they're in the process of working on hotel refunds first. Uh, they're in the process of figuring out all the swag that they received. And we know they received a ton of Warlord swag, and hmm, some of it may have even been Blood, Blood Red Skies related. Um, but uh, they're trying to figure out how to get that out to people who were either VIG uh, drawing winners, things like that, or even just swag to, to all the people who'd paid uh, to attend the event. Uh, so they're going to look at that over time. But the, the thing that um, I know I'd talked about and a couple other people talked about is really try to give them a level of patience and, and say that, hey, we're not too worried. We're not worried about getting our refunds immediately. You guys figure out what your expenses are, and we'll go from there because – I know in, in one of my other lines of work doing uh, doing photography workshops, um, I've had huge cancellation expenses and things like that. So what they're going through is not a it's not a small fiscal problem. There's a lot of zeros on the end of those uh, those bills, and event insurance doesn't always cover it. So um, I would just ask everyone to be patient. I realize that we all would like to get something for our money. Uh, let's see what Adepticon does for us. I'm mostly bummed because I really wanted to pick up all the um, expansion packs at the uh, Warlord games table, you know, so I can get all the cards and stuff that I don't have. Yeah, I think if I have one good thing to say about the Adepticon cancellation is I wasn't putting my money uh, or wasn't throwing my credit card across the table to John Russell, which is pretty much what I figured I was going to be doing as soon as I rolled in there and saw all their, their resin models for P40s and everything else. But that's one of those things. So, you know, uh, the other question has come up now that some municipalities in the U.S. and in other countries uh, have started restricting non-essential sales uh, venues, shops, friendly local gaming stores from being open. Um, people have asked, hey, what can we do? What can we do to help them through uh, through their kind of tough business times? What have you guys seen out on the internet as some of these strategies to kind of keep gaming alive uh, and keep our local gaming stores alive? I've heard some people talking about trying to do something you know, online, I, I don't know how the heck you'd support that, but that's a pretty fabulous idea if there was some way you could play remotely. I don't know how, how to do that, but that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, I've seen a couple of the stores have, have talked about, you know, the fact that they have to shut down organized play uh, and finding ways to move that either into play by email or uh, kind of virtualized play because uh, some games lend themselves that way. Uh, you know, some role-playing games could be played uh, via Skype, via Google Hangout, things like that. That wouldn't be uh, too too odd. A little more difficult to do Blood of Its Skies that way, either with an overhead camera 
uh, or uh, or with another mod. We can talk about some of those uh, in another episode. Uh, but there certainly are ways that you can do some of the gaming. What I've also seen some of the game stores actually do is almost like some of the restaurants. Uh, they've basically done, you know, either walk out to your car pickup or game store delivery. So they say, hey, you know what? Take, take a look at our uh, collections. You know what we have. If there's something specific, email us. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll arrange payment and then we'll deliver it to you so you don't have to come into the store and hang out with the rest of the stinky gamers. Also, they're still open. They're just not uh, hosting gamers in the premises. Yeah, and it, and it varies by location. I know um, Black Rowan Games, my friends uh, out in California, there are a number of cities, municipalities that have closed every kind of retail store. Um, the area they're in, they're only affected because they have to close their gaming uh, sessions because of how many people it involves, but they can keep their retail open. Um, that's different you know, everywhere you go. Um, I noticed that even some places were allowed to host uh, some gaming events this last weekend uh, in the Virginia area. So there's still some venues that are open. Uh, and once again, people just have to be smart, you know, minimize your exposure and, uh, and, and do what you can do, which, which kind of brings me to the point that, you know, people, we included, we make fun of 40K, but I made a top five list. The top five ways 40K players are helping the fight against the coronavirus. Here we go. Okay. Number five, the deployment zones, hammer and anvil or spearhead assault, or even better Vanguard strike putting you like six feet away from the other player. I mean, that's right in line with CDC standards there. Six feet, six feet of isolation. You can't be hurt by the coronavirus at that point, right? Okay, maybe not. Number four, reinforcing social distancing via body odor. I mean, you don't want to get close to your opponent across the table, probably, because they really don't smell that nice anyway. So that's fine. A little social distancing is in good order. If they have to walk around and move a model, you just move to the other side of the table, preferably upwind. Number three, chess clocks. Chess clocks are a social exposure budget. Think about that. You know exactly how much time you have on the chess clocks. And as you go back and forth, you're minimizing your overall exposure because you're not staying there for four or five hours, some open-ended gaming event. You've got a chess clock to drive how much your social exposure to the disease is. You just Number eliminated two. me, man. I don't know the rules well enough to use a chess clock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, got, I've got eight books I got to go through you, to figure you, out the you'd rules. You burn all your time as you're sitting there going, uh, let's see, which one is this in? Which what does my weapon do again? Oh, yeah. Which book is that mechanic and weapon in again? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Way number two. I mean, this is a standard one. You don't touch another player's miniatures. That's no problem. I mean, come on. You're just not going to share the same miniature that someone else is touching. That's reducing a little bit of the COVID structure or COVID spread. And finally, reason number one should be obvious to any player of 40K or any competitive game. Don't ever touch another player's dice. I mean, let's think about this. Look at what people do to make their dice lucky. We see them blow on them, see them you know, cough on them, spit on them, see them rub them on certain parts of their body. Do you really want to interest touching another person's dice? Let's think I, about I, that. I, I've, I've personally destroyed a die in front of all my other dice to set an example after a bad tournament. Well, and, and that's why I bring up one of the, uh, I forget whether it was Unipolar or one of the other companies, uh, they introduced a dice jail so that as you're playing, you can just drop your dice in the dice jail with its nice little bars and everything and realize that, yes, it's being made an example of and maybe it needs to be executed later because it's been rolling so poorly. You got me thinking of the freaking Parks and Rec Venezuela episode now. <laughs> <laughs> we have the best patience in the world because of jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what the self-isolation, social distancing, how that's going to change some of the current shift towards board games and in-person gaming. I mean, I think it's been really interesting, at least in my region in South Carolina, there's been a, a real resurgence of board gaming groups that will meet either at a restaurant or a local hotel somebody's business uh, somewhere and and get together and and board game and bring games for people to play and 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 things like that. Do you guys see the coronavirus really impacting any of that? Do you think it's going to blow over quickly and, and not be a big deal? Uh, what do you think the long-term effects of the industry are? Well, I know for from my just from my standpoint, a lot of the gamers that I know that are board gamers are older gamers. They're they're on that our age to the boomer crowd, so they're in that 40 to 60 range. So I, I think it is going to have a big impact. Um, will it bounce back once it's over? Probably. So I, you know, it just it all comes down to what does this end up being, and and nobody really knows that right now. So if this is a two to four week blip on the radar, we'll all recover from it. If this ends up being a three to five month blip on the radar, it's it's the longer it takes to recover from it, the longer it's going to take to recover from it. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. I mean, just time wise. Thank you, Donald Rumsfeld. The army you go to war with is not always the army you want to go to war with, I think. Yup. <laughs> it was all the unknown unknowns that caused us to trip up. Anyway, Brett, I know you wanted to say something, so pardon my jokes. Well, no, I was just uh, expecting maybe this will increase the uh, urgency to get something going with Vietnam because that'll make, you know, with the distances involved, that'll make a four by eight table probably more the standard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, we need aerial intercepts and jet war jet aircraft just to make the table bigger. No, that's a and that's an interesting point. So there's there's kind of two schools of thought with the disruption of, of any industry. And and one of them is that the longer a period of disruption goes on and people have to find workarounds or have to find alternatives, the harder it is for that industry to return to normal if it ever does. So one of the things that a lot of people have been asking now is if if we do find ourselves worldwide, you in the US, whatever, in a three to four month social isolation kind of period, how many people are going to figure out, is is there another way to get my wargaming fix? And is it is going back and playing Civilization, is is that any good? Does it help me? No, it's not the same as Blood Red Skies. It's not the same as pushing little airplanes. But, you know, hey, what if I replace that with some other war game involving aviation? Is it the fact that I love aviation? Do I really love the miniatures? Do I really love the interaction with a human across the table? Um, and, and I think it will be interesting to see because there still is such a large PC games market. Um, I think we've lost a lot of the multiplayer piece of that as people have shifted back towards board games for the strategy piece. Um, because a lot of the strategy piece is real-time simulation things rather than, you know, turn-based. Nobody wants to sit there and wait for your buddy to finish a turn online. That's even more boring than staring across the table from them. So I think it'll be interesting to see uh, the shifts that it causes there. I mean, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, one of the things that we may see with this is if you've got families being forced inside and families being forced to coexist together again. I mean, one thing I plan on doing is making another attempt to get my 17-year-old to start rolling dice again. Um, it's going to be a challenge because the one thing he does have is broadband and a pile of games. So, but it, you know, it, it's always been that battle back and forth, you know, trying to get that new generation into gaming because it is such a battle because you're, you're competing so heavily against, I mean, video games just look gorgeous today. I'm not into them anymore, but I watch him play them. And I'm like, yeah, I can see why 
when you're 17 years old or you're 16 years old, this is something that just like, yeah, why do I need to sit down and paint models and all this other stuff when I can go pay $50 and throw, have a whole brand new world just thrown into my computer and run around with my best friends online and play the game. So, so there, there is some opportunity, I think there to gain some gamers back to show that family contact, but we'll, we'll see if that takes place. That's a pretty, that's a pretty small area. I think that's a that's a really good point, Chris. I wouldn't have thought that. You know, there's some opportunities to get our kids maybe messing around with us. With us, I mean, Gavin's a little young, but uh, I didn't think of that. We have this time together, so yeah, I've seen a lot of my friends uh, that have even in the in the first couple of days of of forced isolation uh, broken back out board games, and it's kind of funny. Uh, kind of warms my heart a little bit to see a bunch of you know hard talking fighter pilots. All of a sudden, people that I thought were above the level of being a nerd break out Axis and Allies. It's one of those moments of, I knew you were a closet nerd. I knew you acted like you were too cool, but got it. You had a copy of Axis and Allies in your closet. So I, I think it's a really great opportunity um, for a lot of these people to spend time with their families, introduce people to board gaming as kind of a social affair. And to be honest, that's where a lot of war gaming started. It wasn't hardcore simulation. It wasn't just you know, grognards playing out really detailed events. It was people making something slightly more accurate than risk or something that had more depth than risk uh, and and opening up things like diplomacy and things that didn't have a whole lot of production values but had a lot of replay value. Um, and and I, I remember from, you know, my childhood, the, the surprise balance in the market for Avalon Hill that there was probably only 30, maybe 20% of their games that were really hardcore war games um there was another 25 to 30 percent that were sports games that were absolutely intended to be played around the table with a bunch of kids whether they were uh, racing games baseball games all those kind of things simulating a variety of sporting events there were mind games that they produced that were puzzle solving kind of things and and it was it was very much a, a wide variety of things that at least the avalon hill company was putting out there to to satisfy that family need to do something social, um, but to also make it slightly nerdy and intellectual, which is, is fine in my book. I think you guys have reminded me I've got a fully painted set of Mice and Mystics, which is a cooperative dungeon crawl thing with, you know, it's it's for young young players and stuff, but uh, we might have to bust that out and get, uh, get Gavin and me playing that some. It'd be, that'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be good. And the good thing is I know that my wife will have nothing to do with a board game. Uh, so I know that I won't have to worry about that. Uh, I'll just devote myself to actually painting my massive backlog of miniatures that I have here. But, you know, something else I wanted to cover was the top five ways that miniature game designers could actually help prevent the next pandemic. And, you know, I had to, I had to actually, you know, put my game player's hat aside and think as a game developer, as a game designer, what could I do? Well, you know, we just talked about point number one. I mean, think about it. You could put enough color-coded dice for both players in the starter box. I mean, I don't want to use the other guy's dice. Why am I only getting one set of dice? I mean, think about the production values. Just give me another set of dice so I don't have to have the dice that he rubbed on his chest or nether regions uh, to make them lucky. Come on, that's an easy enough one. Number four, replacing cards with an app. We've seen Dust do this. And with Dust, it's... It's... What do I want to say? Um problematic how would you guys rate their app it's a challenge um army building their app is a challenge and i think that's just a dust doesn't have the production value that some of their larger game companies have palo's done a great job with with 
transferring this stuff over and fixing the stuff that was going on with Fantasy Flight. But there's, I, I still don't think they're 100% there. The Dust game plays amazing. Don't get me wrong. But if you go into Dust thinking it's going to be like super competitive play, it's just not because it's just it's not completely well balanced yet. But one of the cool things about Dust is it's Dust. I mean, it's it's meant to be goofy and it's meant to be fun. So it does it have to really be balanced? I mean, you got flying gorillas running around the board and yeah, exactly, freaking Nazi zombies. Well, so it's and, I mean, and but, the other part of it is, is I, I'm still kind of one of those tactile people. It's it's easy to use the army builder, but I haven't tried to play from the app. So it's it's one of those things of referencing cards and everything real time. I, I'm not sure how well it works. You know, over to people who play Dust 1947. Maybe it works for them. Well, I, I think a lot of people, too, they like having the cards and putting the cards in like a traditional card holder and using a, a dry erase marker that can be erased to keep track of points and stuff like that. That's the way I've played it most of the time. And it just that that is tactile and it is fun and it, it makes a lot of sense. And honestly, I, I kind of wish some other games would go to some systems that are kind of like that because it makes it super easy to play. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, reason number three, kind of like Brett said, increase the table sizes. I mean, I'm going to say it right now, this rise of skirmish games is a dangerous trend. I am too close to my opponent in a skirmish game. We need bigger tables, not smaller, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. I'm totally kidding there. We don't, but Hey, that would help us out a little bit. Point number two. Wait, you suggested that GW was responsible for this, right? <laughs> that maybe this is they, they didn't they always want to have us play in uh, Apocalypse anyway from the very yeah, exactly. beginning. Exactly. <laughs> maybe they want us to have to be more than six feet away from our opponent like and I have said, to play Apocalypse. Dude, I am convinced that COVID nineteen right now was a virus that was released in China by GW to kill our recasters. Exactly. It was a targeted money. assassination. Targeted Chinese assassination. Re- I have been worried. I have been more worried about my Chinese recaster than I have just about anything else going on in China. Exactly. Right See, it's perfect. They get rid of the recasters and they force us all to play at, uh, uh, Apocalypse on giant tables. Exactly. And, and buy more miniatures. Well, you know, talking about buying more miniatures, companies like GW, especially for 40K, I mean, point number two is right in their lane. Use microband plastics for your miniatures, especially 40K, because we know they're not even going to get primed and definitely not get painted. Can you get microban and gray? <laughs> yeah, can you get microban and gray? Exactly. And and number one, the, the most costly that it will be, but best recommendation that I can give to game developers out there. Point number one, print the rules on toilet paper. Because according to Karen in line at Walmart, toilet paper is going to kill the coronavirus. That's why she's buying four cases of it. Dude, the the absolute funniest meme I have seen online yet was it was the guys from the movie Outbreak, and they're all in the yellow hazmat suits. And it says, oh, my God, can you believe all those people are dead? And then it's got Dustin Hoffman's character, and he goes, yeah, but can you believe how clean their asses were? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it is anywhere else in the world, uh, but, but this toilet paper fascination in the United States and the run on toilet paper here is apocalyptic. It's worse than I've even seen for hurricanes. And I live in hurricane country there in South Carolina. It's... It's bizarre. I don't know how to describe it. Well, the funny um, but, thing for me, being a person that's lived in Hurricane freaking Alley and now lives up north, and I can tell you that one of the things I'm experiencing here in Michigan, because I kind of have always shopped like a European. We shop for like two or three days when it comes, because everything we eat pretty much is fresh. We don't need a lot of processed food. So we, we, we I shop pretty regular, and it's kind of funny. The last week going to the store, 
it's like there's a run on different things different days it's like one day like all the cheese is gone or like another day all this is gone like all the pasta is gone it's like it's like a bunch of moms are running around with their freaking phone and going oh my god you have to go buy all the freaking pasta sauce right now buy all the pasta sauce right now (laughs) well i figured out what people don't like it's amazing i walked by the frozen food aisle and all of the riced cauliflower options were still all there all of the uh, the string vegetables and as much edamame as you wanted to eat, it was all there. So uh, I almost had Asian night and decided to pick up all the edamame. Dude, all all the potted meat products were gone, which I can tell you that that's so why all that these people are dying. Cracked, it's not that COVID. That kind of cracked me eating. up. Was was on my list. I put down there. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go pick up some spam because there's there's different kinds. And every once in a while, I get a little goofy and and decide to grill up spam. But there was no spam left, and it wasn't just spam. It was nooking the disgusting potted meat product things I would never eat. That was all gone. And I'm like, okay, I, I would have been happy enough with Hormel Chili, but they they went to the potted meat product level. So no thanks. No thanks. I, right. went, I went yesterday. I was getting looking for breakfast cereal for Gavin. And, uh, you know, they had a lot of cereal. It was weird. Like you said, it was weird stuff that was missing. So the entire cereal aisle was pretty full. You know, it was. But there were really weird vacancies. So there was all the cereals practically, but there were no Cheerios or no, no uh, fruity Cheerios or Fruit Loops. Just those varieties were gone. It was bizarre. It was like, we can't get chicken here. There was no, no we there can't was... either. It's the same thing. I, in fact, I went to Sam's Club today. I went to two different Myers today. And the one thing that was gone everywhere was boneless, skinless chicken thighs, boneless, skinless chicken breasts, or anything of that variety. It's all gone. The one thing that there is plenty of is pork. And it's like, I don't know if we all went Arabic all of a sudden, but I'm loving it because the pork prices are down and, and we porks the other white meat. We eat it all the time. So, but our, our beef has been, been hit for, in fact, they closed all of our meat counters today, which was kind of strange. That was, I guess, a Michigan thing. I don't know if everybody else is doing that, but yeah, all of your custom cut meat, all that stuff was cut out today. Oh, wow. Probably because they don't have time to uh, do custom cuts they're just trying to busy process the stuff they can pack and that's what they said it was was they were trying to turn out hamburger and stuff like that and other things and they were doing pre-packaged and so it's weird so guess what was still remaining on the meat aisle here in alabama turkey sausage (laughs) Uh (laughs) which is fine because i'm happy to put turkey sausage with biscuits and gravy or put it in spaghetti whatever i don't care but yeah it's it's funny to see what people don't want what you were talking about toilet paper and uh did you see that that meme that John Russell posted on Facebook, it was uh, something about, you know, his now that the weather's warm where he is, he's got this garden going, and it was little rolls of, empty rolls of toilet yeah, paper. empty rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> like, like it was growing, yeah. So my, I, my, I, no, go ahead. I, I took, I copied that picture, and um, I was sending an email to my boss, and at the end of the email, I said, on another note, I have my own version of a victory garden going, and I, I all day long, I've been wondering, she didn't respond, I was thinking, I wonder if she got it. She's looking at that wondering what the hell that is. Yeah, yeah. I don't, we'll see. <laughs> this guy's a weirdo. Right. Uh, my, my brother-in-law up in Minnesota lives out in the woods, and he was he took a bunch of one-gallon bags and filled them with leaves, and he said he was going in the organic toilet paper business. <laughs> Brilliant. That's disgusting. Oh, uh, well. And see, once again, that's how you get tyranids. Wiping your ass with leaves. That's how you get tyranids. <laughs> I mean, we even had toilet paper in Afghanistan. Yeah, well, you know, it's because we had a supply officer who wasn't a total 
worthless bag of shit. I, I mean, was the guy... never a suppo. I, now, <laughs> I rarely take offense at anything you say, but don't, please don't ever don't call, call you a suppo. <laughs> hey, at least you didn't deliver the Pakistani toilet paper to us that was pink. That I couldn't figure out. I'm like, why, why must it be pink? Why couldn't they have picked any other color to put in there other than pink toilet paper? But I guess it's what they could buy cheaply in Pakistan, so... Well, it also things. it also helped all the staff officers hide the fact that our asses were being chewed off. I think that's yeah, exactly. That the colonel was <laughs> the chewing my ass off every night. As much. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. I was really hoping to never think of that time ever again. But no, Chris reminded me of it. Oh, that's all right. Hey, let's go to a couple of questions that we got from our podcast listeners and a couple of questions asked inside the ready room. So uh, a couple of people said, when should we start scheduling another event? What should we do? Should we do something this summer? Let's let's figure out how to um, how to basically quell this this need to play Blood Red Skies in person. Um, I think if you'd asked me 24 hours ago, I would have said, sure, absolutely, schedule something for June. Uh, what could possibly go wrong? Um, and then as everybody started talking and, and doing their math, um, you know, maybe maybe early summer is not the best time to schedule something. You know, let's let's be honest. I think we really need to see. Um, what the governments uh, of the various nations decide to do and how long these lockdowns stay in place before we start trying to come up with new events. Yeah, CDC right now is at 8 to 12 weeks. I only know that because everything our college is doing is basically based on CDC guidelines. I mean, it's kind of funny. I can watch the CDC come out with a message, and within eight hours I get uh, an email from the college administration that this is what we're doing now. So, I mean, that being said, I do think we're looking at late June to early July before anything's going to be publicly happening. Yeah, I I think it's great to come up with ideas of what we want to do and to lay out what the requirements are. I think it may just be a little premature to actually schedule things, start talking to hotels and, and really laying down some firm plans. But what I will say is I'm actually really heartened by the number of people in the community that said, hey, let's do something. Let's figure out how to have an event. And even some of them that have said, hey, let's let's figure out how, how to have an event and to drive some money back to Adepticon or back to some of the local gaming stores who may be closed for eight weeks, um, 12 weeks. How, how can we do these kind of things where we, we get people back in an area playing the games and going back to the stores and spending money? So, Dude, dude I'll say this online too about Adepticon. Adepticon has given me freaking four to five, actually five years of just joy. I look forward to it like Christmas. I was heartbroken it was over this year. But guess what? Adepticon, don't worry about refining me a dime. Don't worry about mailing me anything. Don't worry about doing anything. Just get the event on for next year. And I, I just don't care. I want I want nothing more than an Adepticon to keep doing what they do and keep it. So yeah, I mean, for me personally, let it go. That was That was money that I didn't need it to feed my family. And if you you, you, if you used money you needed to feed your family to buy your freaking Adepticon ticket this year, we need to have another counseling session. Yeah, exactly. But, um, we need to explain this yeah, gaming addiction just, that we just, all have. Just need to, <laughs> I, honestly, I, I think the best thing some of us could do is, and, and in fact, I'm going to do it right after I get off the podcast. I'm going to send them a freaking message and say, Adepticon, don't worry about sending me a damn thing. Thank you for what you do. And um, those guys are going through hell right now trying to freaking figure the community out. And they've got a lot of mad people. We talked about this earlier, but just to stress it again, these guys are doing amazing freaking work. They really are. Those guys and gals are just awesome. Well, and, and, and that's the thing that is every, year. every every interaction I've ever had with the Adepticon staff has been amazing. Even when I've had questions that usually are just me asking a dumb question because I'm a dummy and don't know the answer. Um, but every time I've interacted with them 
over the past few years, it has been amazing. And so I have the same feeling that you do. My attitude is, hey, keep the money. It's it's water under the bridge now. Let's just make sure that the Adepticon, you know, organization creation survives to do Adepticon 2021 financially because they are going to have some money that they have to lay out for a lot of stuff. Um, and there's a lot of swag purchased and things that were that they were expecting to be able to sell that they aren't. So who knows? Is there going to be an online Adepticon store? Maybe. Don't know. Um, but they'll figure that out. I just, uh, you know, as much as I can say, we really need to look at ways that um, you know, our disposable income, we, we apply it towards people that we know um, that it's going to go to their business model, whether it's the local gaming store, whether it's going to Adepticon, whether it's going to um, the first series of conventions that kick off uh, after the, the coronavirus uh, lockdowns kind of break. So it's one of those things. Um, just know where you're spending your money and who you're, you're giving it to. And this is another time too, where, you know, we've, we've got all this time and maybe we don't need big events. Maybe you don't even need to be planning a big events right now. If you've got an American army that you've done for blood red skies, maybe it's time to go out there and pick up some BF 109s and get those painted and go to a buddy that you think might be interested in it. And don't ask him to buy models and come over, um, have two sides painted and say, Hey man, let's drink a couple beers and let's get together. And let me teach you this game, blood red skies. That's how we grow the community to a point like this. It's not about having a big event. You're going to interact with a couple friends. There's nothing wrong with that. The government even says there's nothing wrong with that. You ain't got a temperature. I ain't got a temperature. We ain't got any freaking old people in our life. We got to worry about let's get together. And Chris didn't lick nice. any doorknobs this week. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that picture of the mom in the store where she's got the mask on and then her daughter is pulling her sleeve and licking the banister is just priceless. <laughs> so, so it's one of those. Every one parent of those, feels that, man. <laughs> one of those moments where it's hilarious that, and I can't remember what store I was in this last week, but literally watching one of the parents have the meltdown of, do you have to touch everything? <laughs> and we've all been there. Well, except for those of us that only have cats and no kids, but. My cats touch everything anyway. Dude, but, they do. You know. there, was a, there was a mom today. She was so stressed out. I could tell. It was obvious. Dad was at work. She had four kids. She was in the grocery store. She was trying to provision her house. It was obvious. And put two buggies she was trying to push. She had four kids with masks on, and she didn't have a mask. And I was like, gee, you're more in danger than they are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> kids just walk away from this thing, man. It just The four walking Petri so dishes there will be infecting you, and they'll be yep. fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so one of the other questions, and we'll talk about it a little bit in our next episode when we start talking more about solo play and some other things, um, but computer and online playing of Blood Red Skies, whether it's streaming, you know, can we go out there and, and is it easy to, you know, just put your, your webcam above your table and, and only have one board and you and your buddy uh, kind of sit there and, and talk your way through playing, and at least that's interaction, at least it's it's having a little bit of fun. Um, some Some guys have asked, hey, how easy is it to do that? I've never tried. I imagine it would be just about as painful as playing chess uh, by uh, by remote and having someone say, hey, take the, the second Spitfire from the left, move him six inches forward, then pivot him 45 degrees to the right. Um, but hey, it, you know, people let us know if that works out, if you're able to do that as uh, everyone's in self-isolation, uh, try that out and tell us. I think the, the best software that I've seen out there um, that I wish we had a, a mod for was Vassal. Um, Chris, you and Brett, neither of you have used Vassal before, have you? No, I've never used it. Yeah, me either. Yeah, so it's it's really a cool way to bring game systems into uh, either a real-time internet play or an alternating turn play-by-email style play. Uh, but no one's ever 
put a Blood Red Skies uh, mod for it out there. And obviously, I mean, there's some really old games that are in there, some some fairly new games that are in there, X-Wings in there. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things that if anyone in the community really wanted to help people with their need to push even virtual little airplanes around the table, uh, getting a Vassal mod I think would be huge. So uh, for all you IT people out there, and I know you're out there because I see your stuff in the Blood Red Skies ready room, um, figure out how to do Vassal because that would be that would be huge for the community right now, I think, to, to keep up the interest and keep up the interaction and, and keep developing the meta uh, without having to actually get in person with a lot of other people. You got some pretty robust responses on that idea or ideas about uh, things to do maybe in the interim before we can, you know, get back to Adepticon. Do you care to get into any of that? Well, and all I want to say about that is I got some great ideas from from people that, uh, you know, everybody was was overwhelmingly interested in keeping the gaming community as a whole alive. I think the the tough part is everybody has different levels of optimism. Uh, and different levels of um, uh, different risk thresholds, I guess is the best way to say it. And, and I see the same thing in my, uh, in my photo workshop side where um, some people, as soon as the coronavirus travel restrictions came down, wanted to, to not be a part of a six-person workshop um, and others that were going to hang on to the bitter end until they were told they couldn't fly from their country into the United States. So um, it's it's everyone has a different risk tolerance, and I'm I'm very cautious to not tell people, uh, you know, to, to tell them they need to go play a small ten-person gaming and that that's much safer than a fifty-person game um, or gaming event. But you know, I think a lot of people said we know that by midsummer we're going to be jonesing for something. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody kind of kind of came out and, and floated a bunch of ideas, whether they're mini conventions or if they're just, you know, Blood Red Skies gathering where if we do nothing more than play one or two games, drink a lot of beer and talk about tactics that I think some people will feel their, their itch scratched for Blood Red Skies. That's right. Well, and anyway, the good the good news, too, is as soon as some of those good ideas were proposed, I mean, in terms of like how far out from now, if we just let this thing, you know, let us recover from this, uh, you know, whatever this is going to do here. It's, you know, maybe only a couple of months after this whole thing subsides that we could potentially do something fun like that in a, you know, an organized play way. So it's not, yeah. it's not, I, uh, I think the trick is keep any, away. anything you're planning, keep it small and reasonably scalable so that, that you say, all right, we, we just know it's something that you could do at a local hotel in one of their meeting rooms. And oh, by the way, if more people say they're interested, we get a second meeting room and we play more games. Um, and plan those kind of things. It's also something that it's easy for you to tell the hotel, hey, how much notice do I need to give you? Not a whole lot. Um, you know, you, you can plan that once you see government restrictions starting to lift. Because to be honest, we don't know where this is all going right now. There's no point in getting worked up about it either way. Um, we're, we're all in this together for the long haul. Okay, Brett. So uh, anything, any last parting uh, thoughts from you? Well, I'll just say if you've got a backlog of stuff and you're stuck home, get it painted. Get your hobby on. And if you don't have a bunch of stuff, why not get some and get some painted? <laughs> Now's the time, right? Yeah. And, you know, Amazon Prime might be a little delayed, but the models are still going to get to you. So there's still plenty of the hard plastic models out there that are uh, that are good to paint, especially like uh, 
the hurricanes and, and the mosquitoes, a lot of those other ones are, are out there and they're good. Um, and obviously, uh, order from AIM. So Dave's going to keep uh, plugging along. He may be backlogged now by uh, four weeks or, or, or more. So it might take you two months to get your order, um, but at least put it in an order. And, you know, likewise, uh, there's a lot of other hobby things you can do out there. Catch up, uh, if you're like me, catch up on all your 40K painting and your dust painting that you haven't done um, or do some terrain for some of those games. So there should be no reason that we should be bored with uh, our hobby work in the next couple months. And when you get it painted, guys, get your models up on the Lead Pursuit podcast. Show us what your Corvid-19 progress is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Show us what work you've gotten done because of the coronavirus. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Uh, once again, remind you, go out to the website. You can leave us comments there. Uh, after you've listened to the podcast, you can also catch us on Facebook. You can leave us comments on Facebook, Instagram, uh, and just let us know not only what you guys are doing, uh, guys and gals, what you're painting, what you're uh, getting your armies ready for, for when uh, everyone comes out of quarantine, uh, but also uh, what you're thinking about for what kind of events you want to see in the in the next six months once everything kind of gets back up and running, what kind of, whether they're competitive events uh, or if they're narrative events, what kind of things really interest you? Because uh, we'll help drive at least our U.S. side the community uh, towards that and we can talk to Ken and the guys in the UK and make sure the events that are hosted over there are closer to what y'all want I want to thank everyone for listening and thanks for uh, giving uh, all your comments and feedback to the Lead Pursuit podcast look forward to seeing you guys across the gaming table hopefully in another three or four months okay uh, so I guess I better put my shit in one sock and be ready to go here and that means, Brett, you can mute yourself. <laughs> Stand by. <laughs> I was reading something. Grandpa, Sorry. Grandpa's got to find the controls.